Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Hey, I want to welcome everybody here and uh, I want to say a special welcome to all you who are joining us online, wherever you're joining us from. Hey, great to be with you as today we are starting a brand new series we are calling Hot Topics. And uh, I'm really excited about this series because we've never done anything like this before. So what we've done is uh, we sent out a survey to some websites like Reddit and some other sites. And uh, we asked this question, what would you like the church to talk about? And uh, what we wanted to know is what were people who wouldn't consider themselves religious people or, or church people, what are they wanting to talk about? And so what we did is we've collected the survey results and then uh, we decided that we are gonna talk about some of the most popular results that we got. And so over the next five weeks, I didn't determine what the results were. Other people determined what the results were. And so I, honestly, I'm just really excited about that. Plus, the way that we approach this uh, was just very, very important to me because I believe that the local church should be the safest place to explore, to doubt, to wrestle and wonder uh, about things, and most importantly, to have conversations about these things. That if there are things that people are wrestling and wondering about, I mean, they're gonna wrestle and wonder about it somewhere, why not do it here? And so this is what this series is all about. Now, if, you're, if you would consider yourself a Christian, uh, however you're engaging with us, hey, we, we're so glad that you're here and we hope you journey with us because we believe every single person is on a faith journey and conversations like we're gonna have over the next couple of weeks are a big part of that journey. Now, if you are a Christian, I'm really glad you're journeying with us as well and I hope that you will allow yourself to wrestle and wonder as well and maybe even get uncomfortable at times. Uh, I've, I've been following Jesus for over uh, 20 years now. I know I look, you know, only 25, but I've been following Jesus uh, for 20 years now. And uh, there are things, honestly, that I still wrestle and, and wonder about. And you know what my guess would be? You do too. And so what I want you to do is I want, you, I want to give you permission to not have all the answers because let's be honest, none of us has all the answers. And so I want you to join in this conversation as well. Plus, here, here's what I've noticed. When there are things that we wrestle and wonder about, if we are willing to lean into those things, that doesn't hurt your faith. It's actually an opportunity to deepen your faith. Now, today, as, as we kick things off, we're going to kick things off with one of the hottest topics, the topic of God and science. And at the heart of this, I, I think, lies two questions. And, and the questions are, aren't Christianity and science incompatible and don't they contradict each other? And so the thought is kind of this. The thought is there, there are two, two groups of people. And uh, on the one group, there is the science people. I can't tell you how many people I, I've talked to about God and faith. And when the conversation is done, their response is, well, I believe in science. And implied is that, in, in that is that I'm a person who believes in reason and facts and, and rationale. Now, the other group is what is considered faith people. 
And faith people are people who, who believe in God, and because they believe in God, there's this assumption that they don't believe in facts and, and rationale and reason, and even to the point where, where some would say that they use God as a crutch. And so here's what you have. You have fact-based science people versus faith-based religious people, and because we're, we're, we're told that you have to choose, it's a contradiction to believe in both. Now, because this is such a, a, a big topic and I only have the opportunity to do one talk, my goal for today is to not lay out evidence for the existence of God, even though I feel like that's a really important thing. In fact, if you're interested in that, we have resources for you to dig in to do that, so I, I wanna encourage you to, to do just that. My goal for today is to talk about this idea that it's either Christianity or science. That this whole idea that you have to choose either Christianity or science is honestly one big fat myth. That it is reasonable for you to believe in both God and science. I, I love what author David Berlinski, who is, who's wrote a ton of stuff on the history of science, I love what he said when, when, when he wrote this. He wrote, science without religion, it's lame. But religion without science is blind. And I think that sums it up so well. Now, Jesus himself even encourages this. Jesus one time said this. He said, he said love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and what else? With all your mind. You see, faith isn't wishful thinking. According to Jesus, true faith engages the whole person, which includes our mind which means faith should engage things like reason and logic and the way the world works, and that includes science. So what I wanna do is I, I wanna begin by giving you a brief history of where this, this whole myth began. And the reason that I wanna do this is because this whole idea that there's been you know, two groups of people, science people and faith people, it hasn't always existed. It really didn't start to take root until this period right here known as the Enlightenment, where, where God and science people began to be seen as opposing forces with each other. Now, the, the Enlightenment period was this era where there was all sorts of scientific discovery. And as the scientific discoveries began to just, just happen and become more rapid, uh, there began, some people began to think that we're gonna reach a time where science is gonna explain everything. Well, as a result of this, there was a group of Christians who began to feel very threatened by this whole idea, so much so that they began to get defensive when it came to the whole idea of science and the discoveries of science. Now, what did this cause? This caused a gap between science and Christianity. Now, this gap has only gotten larger over time due to this system of thought that became very popular during the Enlightenment period, and it's still very, very popular today. It affects, it affects us more than you realize, and when you understand what it is, you understand how much it affects us. This whole, this whole system of thought called secularism. Now, here's how I define secularism. I, I define secularism this way. It's just the belief that the happiest life, because everybody's looking to, to live the happiest life, right? The, the belief that the happiest life is found through science, technology, and education. Now, some people would add politics to this nowadays, but it's really these three things. Now, notice what's missing in that definition. You see, because secularism, it teaches 
that religious beliefs of all kind have been disproven by the de recent developments of, of science and technology. And so as a result, they should be discarded altogether. Richard Dawkins, who is one of the most well-known atheists, uh, he said it this way. He said, faith is like a mental illness. Thanks a lot, Richard, you know, just for just telling me I have a mental illness. I mean, I know I've got issues, but you know, thanks a lot. Faith is like a mental illness, a great cop-out. The excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. And so you see in his quote, there's the dichotomy. There are science people and science people are all just about, about reason and logic and evidence. And then you have faith people. And faith people are all about avoiding the evidence. What's interesting is that in the last 20 years, uh, we are seeing a real pushback against this whole idea of secularism. That we are seeing a pushback against this myth that people who believe in God don't believe in science. Now, what has happened over the last 20 years as people have delved deeper into just the way the universe works, it's actually having a re reverse effect on secularism. That, that as people dive more into things like, like science and philosophy and psychology, they're discovering that there's actually an increased evidence for reasons to believe in the existence of God. Uh, British theologian, Leslie, Leslie Newbegin, Leslie puts it this way. It says, way back in the day, he's talking about in the Enlightenment period, we all thought that as technology and science got deeper, as cosmology went deeper, as biology went deeper than ever, that faith would be abandoned. No one would have faith by the end of the 20th century. And so that's that idea of there was that fear of, uh-oh, we keep going down the trail of science and eventually it's just gonna disprove everything about faith. But then he talks about what's actually happened. And what we've seen is robust Orthodox faith is flourishing all over the world. You see, what he's talking about is that, that people have discovered that, that secularism is actually a myth, that people are realizing that they're actually spiritual, that people like Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey and Oprah and Miley Cyrus, just to name a few, they do things like meditate. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I didn't realize that Ace Ventura and the Water Boy were spiritual. But yes, they are. You only get that at the Ridge Community Church. <laughs> and what else is happening is that we are seeing more and more very smart people that are believing in both God and science. Uh, Francis Collins, Dr. Francis Collins, was at one time uh, agnostic. He now is the director of the National Institute of Health. And he also at one time uh, was the leader, the international leader of the Geno Project. In other words, no one knows more about DNA than Dr. Francis Collins. Well, he, as he shares his story, he talks about how it was his work with DNA that led to his faith in Christ, where eventually he wrote this really, really fascinating book and worth the read. And the book is called this, The Language of God. And then notice the subtitle, A Scientist Presents Evidence for Not Unbelief, but for belief. Another myth that has fueled this myth that, you know, you can only believe, you can't believe in both Christianity and science. Uh, another myth is this, this whole idea that the church has always been anti-science. 
Uh, many of us can remember the middle school days. Some of us will call those the glory days. And we can remember science class in middle school. And what did we learn about science class? We learned about this whole, this whole era called the scientific revolution. And it was during those, that, that learning about the scientific revolution that we learned about some of the most famous scientists that have ever lived, that are still influencing our lives today. And here are a few of them. Newton, who defined the laws of motion, including gravity. Uh, Pascal, who, who many people give credit as kind of the brains behind the e eventual invention of the, the, the computer. And then Kepler who defined the laws of planetary motions and eyeglasses, which I'm probably gonna need in, in, in a few months, to, so I really appreciate him. Now, here, here's what's interesting, and you probably, here's what you didn't know about, about these three scientists. All three of them were fully devoted followers of Jesus. And here's how you can know. You can actually look them up, and you can read their journals, and you will see page after page after page of them writing prayers to Jesus and having Bible verses throughout those prayers. Rodney Stark is a sociologist, and he combed through uh, a, a bunch of journals, and he combed through a bunch of personal artifacts of 52 of the most influential scientists in the scientific revolution. And here's what he discovered. 98% of them were committed Christians. You see, they studied creation because they believed in studying creation that they learned about the God who made everything. And here's the thing, that's just a few examples. I am not even scratching the surface on these because there's so much more. And while there's been a group of people uh, throughout history from the church that have resisted science and the discoveries of science, for the most part, Christianity has encouraged scientific exploration, not discouraged it. So here's what I want to do with the few minutes I have left. I want to give you three insights that will, I hope, help you understand that you really can believe in both God and science. Now, I believe there's a lot more than three, okay? But I'm just going to give you three. Here's the first one. First one is this. As you, as you look at this topic, it is really important to understand what both science and faith what they're trying to accomplish. Now, this is often confusing, which drives a lot of the confusion. So let's look at what they're trying to accomplish. Let's look at science first. Science is all about the how of things. In fact, here's the very definition of, of science. Science is the systematic knowledge of the physical or material world gained through observation and experimentation. Now, in the definition itself, you will see that a method is introduced. And once again, going back to middle school science, we were introduced to the scientific method. And here's the scientific method. And this was actually created by Francis Bacon, another committed Christian. And so here's the scientific method. It starts out raising a question. And some of you are like, oh man, these are bad memories from middle school and high school science. I know I'm taking you there, gotta go there, all right? You know, start out with a question, and then we had to go through this process, and then the process ended up with a conclusion. And what is the conclusion? The conclusion is, this is how whatever that is works, or this is how whatever that is came to be. And thankfully, there are countless hows that science has discovered, which has provided tremendous benefit in our world. Now, that's science. Faith, on the other hand, 
is all about the why, which is something that science can't discover because science is not set up to discover that. And so faith seeks questions, seeks answers to questions like the divine and the afterlife and purpose and just the universal moral law idea. Let me give you an example of how both both science and God or science and Christianity can work together. Now, I believe this is how it's meant to work together, but let me just give you an example. And I'm going to give you an example by looking at the very first verse in the entire Bible. And this is a verse that has caused so much unnecessary debate between faith and science people. So here's the very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we lock into these two words here because these are the two words that have caused all the debate. So science seeks to discover how, in this case, God created. Now, the Bible never talks about how, and the Bible's not in concerned with how. The Bible is just concerned with that God did. And the rest of the Bible is the story of why he did. Now, understanding these these two different purposes goes a long way in closing the gap between the two. So now when when someone says to me, well, I believe in science, you know what my response is every time? I do too. You see, science and learning about science, I actually love to read about science and, and the learning about science. It doesn't hurt my faith, it helps my faith because every time I read something, I'm like, oh, that's how God did it. Wow, is that awesome. Plus, here's what many of us don't think about. Most people, if they're honest, they have blurred these two together. Let me give you an example. Let's just say you're a faith person and uh, you or someone you love is very, very sick. What do you do? Well, you, you pray for God to heal that person. But what else do you do? Well, you probably take that person to, to a hospital so they can be around nurses and doctors and medicine, which science created, helped create, by the way. Now, I would do that as well. But if you came to me and you say, well, you know, listen, I don't believe in medicine because I have faith, I would go, why is that? Listen, believing in in medicine doesn't show lack of faith. I actually believe it shows you have faith because you believe that God can use the creative order to bring healing, and it shows faith that you trust him to do that. Now, let's just say you're a science person, and it's a similar scenario, but let's just say it's you that is very sick, maybe even terminal. And I've seen stories uh, like this. And so you get to this point where you realize that now nothing can help you. It is outside of science. At that point, here's what most people do. They try to reach out to something beyond themselves. And you know what they reach, what they don't reach out to? Science. They reach out to something beyond science and beyond themselves. Maybe even God. So every single one of us, if we're honest, we have blurred these two ideas to some degree. So that's the first one. All right, you ready for the second one? I know you're like, Mark, this is, you know, you're smarter than you look. Thank you. I know that. All right. Here, here's, here's the second one. Here's the second one. Everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. Even the most committed atheist has faith. You see, every single one of us comes to this with a, comes to life 
with a certain perspective, with a certain agenda. Now, we don't come to things with a blank slate. We like to think that we do, but none of us does because every single one of us has a worldview. And so as a result, when we talk about a topic like this, there are certain things, whether you're a science person or a God person, that we hold on to very tightly. So as you're gauging the information, it's seen through a filter of a certain agenda. Let me give you an example of this. Harvard biologist, the guy that I made, Richard Lowenton, he actually, he wrote some articles in this publication called the New York Review of Books. I'm sure all of you read it this morning. Uh, I, I read it this morning before you got here. So he wrote, he wrote some articles in this publication. In this publication, he talks about and admits that he and the scientists that he works with prefer naturalistic and atheistic explanations to the things that they study, which is not really a surprise. That's actually more common than you realize. But it's what he wrote next that is a surprise. He actually talks about and admits why they do. And here's what he said. He said, it's not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world. But on the contrary, that we are, and listen to this, we are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes. In other words, we already step into this with a filter. And the filter is, never leads to God. It never leads to God. And he even says this, we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. Now, what he admits is amazing, and it's more common, once again, than you realize. You see, what he admits is this, is that his science isn't determined by facts. It's determined by philosophy. You see, his faith position determines his science, not the other way around. And his faith position is this, everything we will find has a non-theistic explanation to it. You see, every single one of us, whether you're a faith person or a science person, every single one of us has faith at some level because there are things that we all believe in that we can't prove with 100% accuracy. Let me give you another example of this. I was recently reading this story about this nurse who was a Christian, and she worked in this hospital with a bunch of other nurses and doctors, and, and none of them were Christians, and uh, they were dealing with this patient and this patient happened to be, be in really serious condition and uh, he was on life support and they were trying to make the decision on whether to pull him off of life support or not. Well, one, the doctors had always told her when she came on staff, they said, we know that you're a faith person, but never let your faith commitment influence how you do your job as a nurse. And so they have this really serious case and they, they finally decide that the best thing for this, for this gentleman is to pull him off life support. And that's exactly what they did. And so they pull him off life support and they all gather outside the room, the nurses and the doctors, and they're talking. And one of the doctors says, well, I'm glad that we did that because now he's not suffering anymore. And they all just kind of nodded their head and they walked out. But the nurse who was a Christian sat there and she wondered, how do they know that? And the reality is, they don't know that. See, they just made a faith comment. So as you look at, at faith and science, this is not about, you know, one group has faith and the other group doesn't have faith. Everyone, everyone has faith to some degree. Third and final insight is this. Science has realized it can't disprove the existence of God. 
It can't disprove the existence of God. Why? Because the very definition of science we looked at earlier talked about the material or physical world. But as we talked about the existence of God, it is, a, it is something that's called a metaphysical question. And when you look at the word metaphysical, it just means this. It means beyond or after existence. That God is actually a being that is beyond the physical or material world. Thus, the existence of God is not something that, that physics can actually evaluate properly. Another Harvard guy, Harvard, a Harvard professor by the name of Stephen Jay Gould, he is known as one of the, the, the most well-known evolutionary biologists, historians of science, and he's an atheist. He understood this whole idea that science, it, it can't disprove the existence of God. And he wrote about this time and time again. And one time he, he said this. He said, to say it for my colleagues and for the umpteenth million time, science simply cannot by its legitimate methods, educate the issues of God's possible superintendence of nature. We neither affirm nor deny it. We simply cannot comment on it as scientists. And so what is he admitting? He is admitting that physics cannot disprove a metaphysical, it cannot prove that a metaphysical being doesn't exist. But you know what it can do? it can help us provide evidence that he does exist, which pushes against this whole idea that science and physics are enemies of faith. You see, what if science can actually point to God rather than point you away from God? What if science can actually point you to God, not disprove him? You see, here's what you need to know about all this. This isn't a war of fact-based science people versus faith-based religious people. You see, throughout history, when people had questions about the stars or the sky or, you know, rocks or trees or the weather, you know what the answer was? The answer, answer was, there's gods in there. But then Christianity comes along and says, look at what God has made. Because what God has made is so complex and it's so organized and it's worth looking into. So Christianity doesn't run from science and reason. Rather, it moves into it by asking this important question. What is actually true about the world and implied that God has made? Which leads me to this passage that I want to read that was written by the Apostle Paul in the first century, and it's found in the book of Romans. And here's what Paul wrote. He said this, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, They've been clearly seen. Well, how have they been seen, Paul? Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, science is one way. The invisible God reveals himself to us. And then Jesus comes along and he says, let me make the invisible 
visible. Let me live within your context. Let me die the death that you were meant to die. And let me rise from the dead so you can have life. You know, um, if you have questions about this topic still, I want to encourage you to just continue to dig into this and, and to continue to ask questions and to t continue to lean into this. And we have resources that will help you in this discussion. And, uh, and, and like I said, I, it, it's just worth digging into. And I think having the conversation is a part of you being on the journey that you're on right now. But l let me just say this. My prayer and hope for you and for us is that we'd be willing to doubt our doubts enough be skeptical about our skepticism enough that we would be willing to lean in. And if, if you find yourself disrupted because you lean in, listen, that's okay. Because it's only when we lean in that we truly grow. Let me pray for us. And Father, I thank you that this, this whole topic of, of science and you, that it's not something that we have to just resist or pull back from get defensive about. It's something that we can lean into. And Father, it, it's something that not only can we lean into, but when we lean into it, eventually as we kind of comb through all the stuff, we're going to see you behind every single thing. Father, thank you that, that, that the local church is meant to be a place where we can wrestle and uh, we can have doubts and we can question things. That's not a bad thing, God. That is actually a really, really good thing. And so I pray over the next few weeks that we would be willing to do that together. And uh, God, that we would encourage that, that we would have conversations about that. And most of all, God, that you would open up hearts, our hearts to that. So thank you for this topic. Thank you, God, that uh, as we look at topics like this, um, we discover that you are there and that we are meant to see you in the midst of all this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.